So let me say welcome. We want to say a special welcome to all those who are joining us online or if you're with us and watching in a satellite group, welcome. And we're so glad that you're joining us for Women's Bible Study. One quick announcement for us today. We just want to remind you that we have an optional offering that we do here at Women's Bible Study and all money given towards that offering just goes to help cover some of the costs of Women's Bible Study. So tech, video, the beautiful books that we use, childcare, different costs like that. So it's optional if you decide to give towards that uh, and you're here in person, your table leaders will have envelopes at their table. So thanks for all those who are giving to that. Ladies, again, great to be with you. Um, I have the privilege and honor of getting to continue us in our study tonight in the book of John. And tonight we are in chapter three of the Gospel of John. And I'm so excited to get to share with us from this chapter. It's such a good chapter. John chapter three is about the gospel. And it is about the good news of what Jesus has done for us. I have a quote on the screen behind me. A preacher named Charles Spurgeon said this of John chapter three. He said, if we were asked to read to a dying man who did not know the gospel, we should probably select this chapter as the most suitable one for such an occasion. And what is good for dying men is good for us all, for that is what we are. And how soon we may be actually at the gates of death, none of us can tell. In the first week of Women's Bible Study, Coley encouraged us to ask some different questions as we're reading through the book of John. And two of those questions were, who am I and who is Jesus? And this chapter of John has so much to say to us about who we are and who Jesus is. Our identity is determined, and you're going to see this as we read through John 3, our identity is determined by whether or not we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But Jesus's identity never changes. Jesus Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we look at John chapter three, whether you're here and you have given your life to Christ, or maybe you're here and a friend invited you, or you're not sure what you think about faith, or you're just here to learn more about Jesus, I believe John has something powerful to say to us about the gospel and about our identity and our need for Jesus. Throughout this third chapter of John, we read about some things that must happen. That word must shows up several times throughout the third chapter of John, and that word must is a strong word. And there are some things that this chapter of John tells us must happen or must take place. And so we're gonna look at those things, those different musts today from John chapter three. But before we do that, would you join me and just pray together? So God, thank you so much for Women's Bible Study. Thank you for the gift of every woman that you have brought here tonight, every woman who will be with us online or in a satellite watching this video teaching, Lord. And God, thank you for the gift of being able to read the Gospel of John together, Lord. And so God, we pray that you would move tonight. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would fall afresh here on each of these women and myself, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do in our time together, Lord. God, I pray for those here tonight who are convinced of the good news of what you've done for us, Jesus. And I pray, I wanna pray the words that one of our pastors prayed at a staff meeting we had this morning where he just said, may we never lose sight of the goodness of the gospel. May we never grow weary of the goodness of the gospel. And so Lord, for those here hearing the gospel for the hundredth time, may we never grow weary of the goodness of your gospel. And God, for anyone here tonight who has not yet said yes to you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do and that as we are reading through this chapter in your word in the book of John, I pray that you would open their eyes to the truth of who you are, Jesus, and that there would be women in this room, women online and in satellite groups, who come to saving faith in you tonight, Jesus. So Lord, 
Would you move and speak in the way that only you can? We pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. All right, ladies, we're going to jump in. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit." So we're reading about this man named Nicodemus and Jesus is having a conversation with him and Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And what that means is that Pharisees were very, very, very passionate about obeying all of God's commandments. And please hear me say there is a place for obedience and we are called to obey God. But with the Pharisees, they tended to believe that their righteousness was based on whether or not they obeyed the laws. And so the Pharisees tried to obey the law so much that they, and they wanted to obey the commandments in the Old Testament that God had given tried so hard to do that that they even started creating their own laws along the way to ensure and help them not to accidentally or by mistake uh, not obey any of the other Old Testament laws. So for Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, he would have seen himself as a good person. He would have seen himself as a righteous person. And he would have seen himself that way because of his obedience to God. So he would have felt like he was righteous because of his obedience to the law. And as a Jew, because Nicodemus was a Jew, he would have likely believed that because of his family line and because Abraham was in his family line, he would have believed that that meant he was guaranteed a place in heaven and a place in the kingdom of God. And so what we see here, knowing that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, is that he did not have a right understanding of who he was. And in turn, he didn't recognize his need for a savior. Because in order to understand our need for Jesus, we have to understand who we are apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we are dead in our sins. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead because of sin. All of us are sinners in need of a savior. That means we've all messed up, we've all made mistakes, we have all missed the mark of how God designed us to live. So Jesus tells Nicodemus not just what he needs to do, but he tells him what every sinner needs to do. And this is the first must that we see in John chapter three. Jesus says, you must be born again. Every sinner who is dead in their sins must be born again. And the only way to be born again is through trust and faith in Jesus Christ. So if you are here in this room with us, if you're online or in a satellite group, then you have experienced physical birth. But Jesus is saying that that's not enough. That if you want to experience true and eternal life, if you want to be made right with God and forgiven for your sins, then you must be born again. You need a spiritual birth where 
you are born of God. You're born from above and you are transformed from the inside out. And this second birth is not a work that you can do or that you can strive for. This second birth, this idea of being born again is only something that God can do in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's something the Holy Spirit does in us. He makes us new. So the first must we see in John 3 is that every sinner must be born again. And then we see a second must that has to happen. And so we'll continue starting in verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So what we see here is that in order for anyone to have eternal life, and this is available to all, all of us, we are told that the Son of Man must be lifted up. And what this means is that Jesus Christ must be lifted up on a cross and he must die for our sins. And when Jesus talks about how he must be lifted up, he refers to Moses holding up this serpent on a pole and how the people would look at this serpent on a pole. And so this is referencing a story some of you will be familiar with, but it's from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And he's referencing the story where the Israelites are wandering around in the wilderness and they're complaining to God about they don't like the food, they don't like the water, they are hungry, they want other things, and so they're complaining to God, so God decides to send these serpents or these snakes, and what happens is these snakes end up biting the people, and then in turn, the people die from these snake bites. So in response to that, they decide to repent, and God says, all right, Moses, you make this serpent. Make a serpent, put it up on a pole, hold it up, and when the Israelites look at this serpent on a pole, they will not die from these snake bites, but they will be healed. They will live. And so that's what Jesus is referencing when he talks about Moses holding up this serpent on a pole. And so here's what this means for us. Like the Israelites in the wilderness, all of us have been bitten and we are all in need of healing and life that only Jesus offers. The only way to find true and lasting life is to look on Jesus and to trust him and his work on the cross. Jesus knew that he had to be lifted up and that he had to die for our sins. And why did that have to happen? Because someone had to pay the penalty for sin. God is loving, he is so, so loving, but God is also just and just Justice requires a penalty for sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us that what we all deserve is death, but Jesus bore the penalty for our sin so that we don't have to. And all we have to do is look on Jesus and place our trust and our faith in him, and we will be saved and born again. God sent his son Jesus, and we just read this in John 3. God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins because of his great love for us. John 3, 16, which is probably one of the most memorized and most familiar verses in all of the Bible. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he sent 
his one and only son. God loves us. He loves you and me. He wants to be in relationship with us. And he sent Jesus into the world not to condemn us, but to save us. And so when it comes to this question of who am I, what's my identity, we can find some answers to this in the verses that we just read. So if you're here or you're online and you have said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then that means you are a sinner saved by grace. There is no longer any condemnation for your sin and you have the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1, and this is a verse I come back to if, if I kind of feel condemnation or feel this sense of guilt, I come back to this verse because it's so powerful and it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation condemnation for you. You're a new creation. You have been born again through a work of the Holy Spirit in you. Your sins are forgiven. That is who you are in Christ. If you are here and you have never placed your faith in Jesus and you've never said yes to him, then according to what we read in these verses, you are a sinner in need of a savior and you are presently under God's condemnation and his wrath. But the good news is, and we'll get to this in a few moments, you don't have to leave this place under God's condemnation. You can place your trust in Jesus. You can be born again through a work of the Holy Spirit and made new in Christ. So we see that sinners must be born again. Jesus must be lifted up. And then we see the final two musts in these next verses from John 3, so starting in verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So at the start of this chapter, we have this man named Nicodemus, and he doesn't understand who Jesus is, and he doesn't understand his need for a savior. He has a false view of himself. But now we have a man who's really the opposite of Nicodemus. We have John the Baptist, not to be confused with John who wrote this book, but John the Baptist understands exactly who he is, and he also understands exactly who Jesus is. John the Baptist has a role to play in pointing others towards Jesus, and he has faithfully played that role. But he now recognizes, he rightly recognizes that the savior of the world is here. And that savior is not John the Baptist, but it is Jesus. And as a response to that, with a right understanding of who John the Baptist is and who Jesus is, John the Baptist can say, he, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And in essence, he's saying, everything must be about Jesus. And so for those of us who are following Jesus today, I wonder how often we find ourselves living in a posture of, of an attitude of saying, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. What would it look like for you and I to decrease so that Christ can be glorified and made known? If I'm honest, there are so many times in my life where I want to increase. I don't naturally like the idea of myself decreasing. I sometimes want the glory and the praise, the honor. There are times where I think life is about me and my needs and my wants. But the words of John the Baptist remind us that life is not about us when we have life in Christ. 
When you say yes to Jesus, your life must become all about him and his glory, being on mission with him, being about the Father's work, as Coley talked about last week, that Jesus was about the Father's work. That is what our lives are supposed to be about. What would it look like for us to honestly pray those words of John the Baptist and say, Jesus, you must increase and I must decrease? So those are the musts that we see in John chapter three. In the time remaining, I wanna share some practical ways that we can apply what we've just been talking about from John three. And I wanna speak to two groups of people. So first, and for the majority of the time, I wanna speak to those of you here who are following Jesus and who have said yes to him. And then I also wanna speak to those who have not yet given their lives to Christ. So first, for those of you who are here and you've said yes to Jesus, based on what we read in John chapter three, I believe that there are two words that can and should characterize our life as Christ followers, and those words are confidence and urgency. Confidence and urgency. So first, confidence. If you believe in Jesus, you can live with 100% confidence in the promised gift of eternal life through Jesus. You can live with confidence, trusting that you are forgiven for your sins and that you are no longer under condemnation. You can live with great confidence that God has put his Holy Spirit within you and because his Holy Spirit is in you, you are empowered to live in new and different ways than you could ever live apart from God's Spirit being in you. You can live with confidence that God wants to use you for his glory and that he has good works that he has prepared in advance for each of you to do for his glory. You are saved, you are forgiven, you've been born again, and you will be with Jesus forever. We can live with great confidence in those truths. So as a Christian, you can live with confidence, and then second, you can, and I I believe we must, live with urgency, and here's what I mean by urgency. Christ followers should live with a right and healthy sense of urgency when it comes to sharing the good news with all who are lost. This world is full of Nicodemuses. This world is full of people who don't understand their need for Jesus. They don't understand that they're sinners in need of a savior. This world is full of people who are searching for life and salvation in all the wrong places. Anyone who is not in Christ already stands condemned. That's what we read in John. And whether they know it or not, they are sinners in need of a savior. Romans 10, 14, starting in 14 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You and I are God's plan to reach the world with the good news of Jesus. How often do you find yourself praying for the lost? How often do you find yourself praying for opportunities to share faith with the lost? How much do you love this world? And what I mean by loving this world is not loving the things and the worldly treasures, but I mean how much do you love the lost? How much do you love the people that God sent Jesus to the cross to die for their sins so that they could be saved? When was the last time that you and I shared the gospel and talked with people who don't know Jesus about faith? Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
That is why Jesus came. That was Jesus's mission. So if we love God, then we too must be on mission with him. We must love the lost and be committed to helping people know Jesus. And the truth is, we can't save anyone. You can't save anyone. I can't save anyone. Only God can do that. But we can definitely point people towards Christ and help them move towards salvation in Christ. I believe that God wants to use each and every Christ follower to point others to him and to the good news of what Jesus has done for us. The book of John that we're reading for this whole year, in this book, John literally wrote this book so that people would believe in Jesus. And we haven't gotten there yet, but he says later in chapter 20, spoiler alert, verse 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why John wrote this book. How much do we love the lost? May we as Christ followers feel a healthy and right sense of urgency to share the good news of Jesus with a world that doesn't know him. The truth is, as long as you have breath on this earth, you have more opportunities to share faith with people. And as long as the lost have breath on this earth, they have an opportunity to come to know and place their trust in Jesus and be born again. I wanna quickly share Three simple tips with regards to sharing the gospel because I believe that as Christ followers, we must be people who regularly share the gospel with others. And so really quickly, three simple tips. First, learn how to articulate the gospel. Learn how to articulate the gospel the truth is, you guys, just because you have said yes to the gospel and the good news of Jesus does not mean that you feel confident and comfortable being able to articulate and explain it to someone else. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. There was a season in my life where I didn't really feel super prepared to share the gospel. And I've been a Christian my whole life. I love helping people know Jesus. But there was a season where I had to intentionally practice and learn and lean into learning how to share the gospel with people. One of the things that helped me personally was to put to memory what the gospel is. And there are a lot of different tools that people have created based on God's word to help you memorize and remember what the gospel is. A very well-known tool is called the Romans Road. It basically walks you through several verses in the book of Romans. And if you memorize and share those verses and you share them with someone, it will allow you to walk them through what's called the Romans road or the road to salvation, right? So you can memorize those verses. That's a tool that you can Google, Romans road, you can find that. I personally have a tool that I love and I'd be happy to share it with anyone who's interested. It's my favorite tool. It was actually created by a women's pastor on our staff several years back named Cheryl Fletcher. And so this was a tool I used and I studied it and I learned it and I tried my best to memorize it. There was a season of life where I would have this handout up on my mirror in the bathroom so that I could just periodically look at it and try to remember the verses and try to remember everything on it because I wanted to be prepared to share the good news and I wanted to be prepared to be able to give an answer to people when they asked me about Jesus. And so if you're interested in that tool or if you just wanna feel more equipped to be able to articulate the gospel, feel free to email us at women at cachurch.com and I can get back to you and send you that tool or other tools. So first, learn how to articulate the gospel. Second, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And if you're part of Christian Assembly, you know that we're currently in a series on prayer. And prayer is so powerful, prayer is so fruitful, 
There's something so powerful about us praying regularly. God, give me opportunities to share the gospel. God wants to use you to help others to know him. So pray for opportunities. Pray for your neighbors and your coworkers and your family and your friends. If you don't feel like you have any non-Christians in your life, pray that God would bring non-Christians into your life. Pray that God would give you opportunities to share faith with others. For me, my family and I just recently moved to a new neighborhood. And one of the things I've been praying is, God, would you use me and my husband and our kids, use us to help this neighborhood know you. And if I'm honest, it's really intimidating because I don't know most of these people and I don't know them well. And I'm kind of intimidated by this. But the truth is, I got to believe there's at least one person on my street that doesn't know Jesus. And what if I could be a part of helping that person know Jesus? So I'm praying that the Lord would give us opportunities to share faith with people. And then I'm also trying to intentionally spend time with people on my block. So there are times where our neighbors are in the front yard and if I'm honest, I'd rather just be inside doing my own thing, but I force myself to stand outside and talk to people and build relationships for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of God and his glory. I pray for my kids. I pray for my kids at school that they would have opportunities to share faith with other kids and people in their class. So pray for opportunities, especially if this feels intimidating to you or you feel like, I could never do any of this, just pray. Just pray that God would equip you to share the gospel and pray that he would give you opportunities and then watch how God shows up. So learn how to articulate the gospel, pray for opportunities to share the gospel, and then third and finally, share the gospel. Look for opportunities to share Christ with others. Don't assume that people you meet are Christians, even if you meet them at church, even if you meet them at your women's Bible study, don't assume that anyone is a Christ follower until you know that they believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Ask them questions. Questions are one of the best tools for evangelism. Ask people questions to get to know them, their story, their church upbringing. Do they have any history with church? Don't they? What do they believe about God? What do they believe about Jesus? Even when someone talks about God, dig deeper. What, what do you believe about Jesus? Have you ever heard the gospel? Have you responded to the good news of what Jesus has done for you? So as you pray and see opportunities arise, step out in faith and share the gospel. I want to say one little caveat. I'm a mom. I have a heart for moms. But if you're a mom, if you're a grandma, if you have kids that you're remotely connected to, share the gospel with your kids. Yes, Kids Church will help do that. And other mentors in their life will do it, but we have such a huge role to play in helping our kids come to faith. And ultimately, if our kids do or don't come to faith, that's not in our control, but God has given us such great responsibility as moms and dads to help raise our kids to know Jesus. So take every opportunity that you can to help your kids know that they are sinners in need of a savior. Help them to know the gospel. Bring it into discipline conversations and different conversations with your kids. For me, one of the greatest joys of my life is being a mom, but one of the really greatest joys of my life was getting to share the gospel with my kids and eventually getting to sit with them a year and a half ago or so when both of them were ready and got to pray and say yes to Jesus. 
Lastly on this, one of the most powerful things we can do to help share the gospel is also to encourage others to share the gospel. And so the truth is, there are women at your women's Bible study table, there are Christ followers that you are friends with, and they talk about their neighbors who don't know Jesus, they talk about their coworkers who don't know Jesus, and all of us need to be encouraged and exhorted by one another to share the gospel. So as we talk with our friends and our Bible study tables, encourage one another to share the gospel gospel and pray for those opportunities for each other. So for those of us who are in Christ, we, going back to what I originally said, we should live with confidence and urgency. We must be people who share the good news of Jesus with others. And then finally, I want to speak to anyone who's here today, anyone who's with us online, who will be watching in a satellite group, who might be watching years from now because this is on YouTube. If you have not yet said yes to the gospel, if you have not yet said yes to the good news of Jesus, then I don't want you to leave here without having an opportunity to do that. And I also want you to hear us say, we are so glad that you are here. So if a friend invited you, if you're in a tough season and you just felt like, hey, I need some help, I think I'm gonna try out a church, for whatever reason you're here, we trust that God has you here for a reason and for his purposes. And so we're glad that you're here. And we don't wanna pressure you into a decision, but we also wanna help you navigate this decision that has to do with not just life and death, but eternal life and death. And so I don't want anyone to leave without having the opportunity to give your life to Christ. And the truth is, you guys, what we've been talking about all night and from John chapter three is the gospel. The good news of what Jesus has done for us is what we've been talking about all of tonight. But I wanna share with us one more time the gospel. And I prayed this earlier, we were, we were, in, a, um, we were in a staff meeting today we were all worshiping, our, our whole Christian Assembly staff team, we were all worshiping, and we were led in the, the kids' song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For The Bible Tells Me So. And Mark, one of our co-lead pastors, when he prayed for us after that, he just said these beautiful, brief, powerful words, and he just said, let us never weary of the goodness of the gospel. And so if you're here, and you know the gospel, and you believe it, Let's not be people who weary of hearing it and rejoicing in it and sensing the goodness of it in our lives, right? And if you're here and you have not responded to the gospel, then we wanna give you an opportunity to do that. So what I wanna do is I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes because this is not about your neighbor. This is not about anyone else here. This is simply about you and Jesus and what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so in just a moment, I wanna share the gospel one more time with us. But before I do that, I just wanna pray. God, we know the power of your gospel, Lord. You are so good, you love us so much. We are so grateful for all that you have done for us, Jesus. God, we know that no one can be born again apart from a work of your Holy Spirit. And so God, I ask for anyone here today, for anyone watching online, God, would your Holy Spirit move in their hearts if they have not yet said yes to you as their Lord and Savior? And I pray that you would open their eyes and that you would do a saving and transforming work in them that only you can do, that you would remove obstacles and barriers to faith in you, Jesus. And if that is you and you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, I would even encourage you right now just to say, God, show me who you are reveal to me who you are. Open, open your eyes. Would your Holy Spirit do a work in me? If all this stuff is really true, 
would your Holy Spirit move and do a work in me that I can't do on my own? And so God, even as we share the gospel, and we've heard it so much tonight, Lord, but even as we share the gospel one last time, for those of us who know you, would it just wash over us afresh and would it renew our joy in the gospel and our gratitude for all you've done for us? And for those who haven't yet said yes to you, Jesus, would they hear the good news and would your spirit change them and transform them and bring them to a place of saying yes to you, Jesus? The gospel and the good news that the Bible talks about, and we've talked about it all night, God created us on purpose and for a purpose. God loves you. God loves each of us. But the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have lived up to the standards that God designed us with. And there's a penalty for our sin. The wages of our sin, the penalty for our sin is death. But God, who is so rich in mercy and love, because of his great love for us, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. He took our sin upon himself. He died to pay the penalty that we owe so that we don't have to. And he rose three days later. And all who place their faith and trust in Jesus will be saved and made right with God and born again and forgiven for their sins and will receive the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel and the good news. And so if you are here, you're with us online and you have felt the moving of the Holy Spirit, you have sensed God's invitation, you've never said yes to Jesus and you wanna do that, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now where you're at and you can simply pray this prayer. You can pray it aloud, you can pray it silently, but you can pray this prayer after me. You can just say, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Would you forgive me for my sins? I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sin. I believe that he rose three days later and I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I commit to following you all the days of my life. Thank you, God, for forgiving me for my sin and thank you, God, that through your Holy Spirit, I am now born again and I am in the family of God forever. And if you prayed that prayer, we celebrate with you. We welcome you into the family of God. We would love to walk with you in your journey of following Jesus. So please find me, find Coley, find Tanya. Send us an email at women at cachurch.com. Please let us know because we're so excited. There is no better decision that you can make with your life. I want to give us a couple last ways to respond and you can keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed again. This is just between you and the Lord. And so a couple last ways to respond. I wanna just pray for you if, for these things I share, if you want prayer. And so a couple things. We talked about John the Baptist's words where he said Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And honestly, that can be a really bold prayer to pray. If you honestly wanna pray that prayer and you wanna say yes, Jesus, would you increase and would I decrease? Would you just raise your hand and please, bow your heads, keep your eyes closed, but raise your hand and I will see you and I just wanna pray over you. And so for all these hands raised, Lord, God, for each of these women and these stories that I don't know, Lord, but you know, God, would you increase in their lives and would they decrease? 
And God, would you prepare them for what that looks like? Would you prepare them, Lord, for whatever you might call them to or ask of them? Jesus, would you use them for your glory and your purposes and to share the gospel with others? But Jesus, just hear their desire and their prayer that Jesus would increase and that they would decrease. And would you do that in mighty ways in their lives? Lord, we pray in your name, Jesus. And then I want to speak to another group. If you're here and you want to pray for opportunities to share the gospel, maybe this is a prayer you pray regularly. Maybe this is a prayer you've never prayed. Maybe you're nervous to pray this and you're not ready for God to give you those opportunities. But if you are ready to just trust God and say, God, I don't know what this means, but give me opportunities to share the gospel, then would you just raise your hand? And I want to be able to pray for you and pray for those opportunities. So God, for each of these women now whose hand is raised. God, give them opportunities to share the gospel with their neighbors, with their coworkers, with their family, with their kids, with their friends. God, at Christian assembly, at women's Bible study, God, bring more non-Christians into their lives. Bring, bring faith up in conversations. And God, I pray for each of them that you would equip them, that you would strengthen them, um, that you would give them great confidence in you, Lord, as they pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And Lord, I even pray that you would answer this prayer quickly for them and that even in this coming week, that you would just show up and bring people into their lives or work out situations at Starbucks or the grocery store or work or wherever, Lord, where they just have this aha moment where they realize, oh my goodness, I prayed this and this is an answer from God. This is an opportunity for me to share faith with someone. God, equip these women and use them to share the gospel and would, would they be fruitful as they go and do your work, Lord. So God, we love you. We are so grateful for you and all that you have done for us, God. Lord, I thank you for every person here who has said yes to you. And God, I thank you for anyone who made a decision today or who will make a decision online. And I thank you for their new life in you. Thank you, God, that we who are in you have been born again, Jesus, and that it is only because of your Holy Spirit at work in our lives. God, use us for your glory. Make us people who must glorify you, who must be about your business, who must be on mission with you, and who must share the gospel with others as long as you give us breath on this earth, Lord. So we pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.